Digital Jesus. Digital Jesus. Welcome, welcome to Digital Jesus. And the topic of conversation for today is the demand of perfection. Why? My previous podcasts were scrutinized, as quite rightly they will be, because I'd probably do the same. Whenever I'm listening to anyone that's carrying out any form of information uh, broadcast, I want to check and I want to double check the information that I'm being given. And that's only right and proper, isn't it? Why? Well, because we live in a society where we want everything to be perfect. There is a massive demand on not just ourselves, but on others. And and there's a demand by society and what we expect of uh, society. Um, but of course, all of this, what people expect of us and what we expect of other people, is an unrealistic goal. Perfection is, by its very definition, unachievable. Now, we're going to spend a little bit of time analysing exactly what this means in terms of the digital generation, technologically speaking, and also we'll round it off with a Christian perspective from the vision, viewpoint, standpoint of Jesus. Digital Jesus. So as I was saying, we know we're fallible. In fact, our society is showing great pangs, pangs, yes, pangs of that actually being the case. Great pangs, why? Why is that such a problematic situation for mankind? I'm just going to adjust the volume a bit there. Okay, that might be a bit more comfortable for your ears. So society is showing the pangs through increased mental illness, physical insecurities, you know, through body image and uh, the expectation that we're supposed to look and sound a particular way to fit into, we'll talk about that, what we're fitting into a little bit later. We also, as a society, have increased social anxiety, anxiety from an individual perspective, and from moving out into the wider scope in terms of the community. Also, depression is on the rise, and as a result, mental illness is on the increase and you've only got to look at the data in terms of who is looking for therapy, who is going to therapy. And and then, of course, you have the suicide rates and you have the desperate and the desperation of people that find themselves backed into a corner and unable to come out. And this constant pursuit of what I believe is the demand of perfection is the driving force behind all of these elements that I spoke of here. So why do we strive for perfection, even though it's impossible to attain? Because we are flawed. 
we struggle to fit in in an ever-increasing technological world struggling to make uh, us accountable for their behavior what do i mean by that well it itself technology and its guardian are promoting perfection perfection that we should attain without honoring it themselves whether you know they're they're taking advantage of us aren't they to them we're just consumers they just want to sell us stuff and this arrives uh rather we arrive at the how well they created commercials didn't they companies businesses that wanted to sell us stuff and they show us what makes us attractive because they've created that version they've created the ideal physical look uh, the desirable set of attributes that one should have that link us to wealth and stature well what are the origins or origins of, of this model that we're speaking about today consumerism and advertising now they are clearly inextricably linked right and hollywood there's a great example through the movies for the portrayals of the characters through what products we see and the narratives the storylines the the glossy glitzy red carpet version of hollywood that you want to aspire to you know the great actors the great actresses the great movie portrayals and the glitz and the glamour that glows along with being a hollywood superstar the silver screen the you know right through to the modern day of having hollywood a-listers that can command excessive amounts of money for acting on a screen and i'm not taking away that they have a skill yes you do actors and actresses out there and and i love the arts and i'm all for the arts any type especially music and music is another example of the origins of this model we have the music industry which devotes its time to selling to us what it believes we should be attracted to or are attracted to in any given particular moment or era in time of course you could look at some uh, you could look at the advent of rock and roll and elvis and if elvis was an overweight spotty um man without any kind of redeeming features in the eyes of the the beautified version of the world system that were being sold would he have ever made it to the fore well possibly there's a a debate to be had that he would because his voice is um, his charisma and his origins would have afforded him that privilege and it is a privilege because to make it in a world where there are so few people gunning for those few positions in high up in the high up echelons of a business in this case the music industry and looking back to hollywood and the a-list celebrity in uh you know actor uh, level the oscar level you do need to have a certain amount of perhaps it's luck i mean i don't like the word luck because it's uh linked to lucifer uh, perhaps you have to be blessed but then would you be so blessed to have your life splattered across everywhere and your freedom uh, in terms of your privacy removed from you 
Because why? Because the media will hunt you down and make you a target. Why? Because they love the idea that if they jump on what you're selling, it's like a marketing machine. So if Hollywood and the music industry decides, right, this is the next best thing since sliced bread, we're pushing this. Well, of course, all the marketing, what they call the prostitutes, the whores of the press, will just jump on board and, and run along with it because it's easy money, isn't it? It's, like, it's money for nothing, really. Dire straits, God bless you. So those are just a couple of examples. And then, of course, you've got other industries, the beauty industry, the health industry, the etc., etc. An example of one of these, uh, an example of something, this system of selling us perfection, you know, those demanding perfection. And an example of that and why it's dysfunctional is the following. Smoking. Once upon a time, smoking was meant to be cool. It, uh, the advertisement said it was cool. You look cool when you had a cigarette and, yeah, smoke, it's cool. And, you know, the icons of the time and, you, you know, the actors and the and the actresses that smoke, the James Deans of the world and so on and so forth. It, it was cool to smoke. And they sold it as such. And it could be argued that they had no idea about what the ramifications of taking up a nicotine habit would be but we do know today it's carcinogenic and toxic but still on sale even though on a cigarette packet today there is a picture of a uh, a nicotine damaged liver a nicotine damaged heart and etc etc right so that Still that doesn't put people off from consuming cigarettes, even though they know potentially that it's going to cause them harm, long-term damage, and quite possibly death. So that's not only a burden on the individual that smokes, but that's a burden on society. Why? Because once their health, God bless them, I hope it doesn't happen, but once their health deteriorates, well, where do they go? They go into the medical system, don't they? And they need help. They need assistance. And that has a cost involved. There's a monetary cost to, ultimately, the taxpayer to pick up that bill. Now, cigarette companies, we know they are, the big guns, the Gallagher's of the world and so on. They will say, well, yeah, but we give money to anti-smoking campaigns and we contribute to medical um, programs to try to develop ways to eradicate the effects of cigarettes and ergo cancer to discover a cure for cancer. So we do contribute. We put something back into the system. Well, that's a little bit like um, going down oxford street on a saturday afternoon at the peak of its foot flow in a truck and running everyone down and then say and then driving straight to the hospital and putting a million pound on the desk and going yeah you've got a few people coming in but this should cover most of the damage it's dysfunctional it's hypocritical it's arrogance at, at best and it is a failure on society. And why? Because people have the power 
to sell cigarettes, manufacture them at the higher stakes, and it's old school money, isn't it? It's old money running this. And all right, you could say, well, people have a choice, don't they? They they can make a decision whether they smoke or not. Yeah, you can also have a choice whether you get in that truck and drive it down the middle of Oxford Street, right? You are you going to do that just because you have the choice? No, you're not. And you could say, oh, well, I'm only hurting myself. No, you're not only hurting yourself because you are ultimately a potential cost on society. So you're being irresponsible, right? And this is going back to the previous podcast of of ethics or integrity. Where does this fit in your scheme of ethics and integrity if you have one? Because you have an individual individual responsibility to society, this is your first and foremost port of call, right? That should, That is meant to be our port of call as individuals. And if it isn't, this is why we need to be looking at ourselves and not going out to the rest of the world to say, okay, you need to be responsible for managing that problem, even though I'm creating it. And, and when you don't, then I'm going to hold you accountable. But hey, you're not going to be accountable. I'm not going to be accountable. So ergo, there's no accountability. So staying back on track. So the demand of perfection. Well, there are some digital mechanics involved. Obviously, you know that I love the word digital at the moment because this is the premise of the show. Digital Jesus, right? So the digital mechanics of this is that there are in place through technology, algorithms, filters, editors, like in terms of the apps we have for our phone, uh, the camera angles that we choose to use to take photos of ourselves uh, to ultimately all go towards manipulating images, uh, perhaps our location. We all want to be seen in a beautiful location wearing beautiful outfits with expensive or stylish outfits and stylish wares with a, with a beautiful boyfriend or a beautiful girlfriend or a beautiful family or a beautiful house with a beautiful wedding dress and whatever the occasion it is meant to be beautified, right? Now, how many people actually genuinely post the worst photo of themselves? The one that they go through their photo album and find that they want to press delete. And you do delete. Now, perhaps as a um, a way to overcome this fear we have of identifying ourselves as who we are. And I know because I suffered from the same problem and I still do to some extent today because I I don't want you to see me how I think think that I am going to look to you ugly unattractive unappealing I want you to see the best of me I want you to hear the best of me I want to be perfect I want to make no mistakes but as was pointed out in my last podcast I did make mistakes and 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 I had a chat with uh, my confidant and my second in command is a joint position at the moment. But my second in command said to me, well, there are some mistakes in there. What are we going to do about those? And there was a discussion, uh, a brief one at that, but nevertheless a discussion. And the discussion we had was, well, there's a couple of ways I could go about that uh, remedy in the situation. I could spend more time in the editing process, uh, perhaps even before that, the planning of the podcast process, which is obviously what you want to do. But life's busy. There's a lot to do. I'm certainly 
busy. I have a full life. And and do I have time to do that? Well, perhaps I do. But most of the time, it seems I don't. So I go ahead, I make the podcast, and then I'll make a decision as whether I'm to, how much of that I'm going to edit. So I might tidy it up as best I can. But there'll still be things in there that perhaps, uh, you know, my brain wasn't connecting correctly in that moment. And I might have provided the wrong word or said a yes instead of a no or an isn't instead of an is. And and this is what happened. In the last podcast, I said that Louis Stevenson invented the rocket when it wasn't. It was Robert Stevenson. And I'm telling you all this because I'm showing you that I'm not perfect, okay? So I'm not telling you you need to be perfect and I'm not. I'm saying I am. We all are. We're all flawed. We're going to make mistakes. Um, I also said, uh, isn't it, instead of is it? It was a small thing, but it distracted my second in command. And, And I don't mean that like this is a hierarchical thing. I'm the front end. There's a support group. So I guess you could say uh, a valued member of the support group, a.k.a. family as well. Uh, I also said that Charlie sent Mike TV through the television. Well, he didn't. Actually, it was Oompa Loompas who did the work but uh, at the at the behest of Willy Wonka. So, you see, I made mistakes. And I could have gone in... I'm overdubbed and gone to that much trouble, tried to set it all up in that way. I could have done that, but I didn't because I overlooked it. I never saw it. There's only so much listening, uh, re-listening to work that you've created to be able to perfect it. It's all right if you're the, uh, you know, there's certain people out there. If you're on the brand wagon, as my sister says, (laughs) I'm pretty sure... Uh, he doesn't do all that himself. I'd be amazed if he does uh, edit and piece together his own work and so on and do the sound and check for levels and that kind of stuff. Uh, and I would imagine a lot of people that start to get a lot of traction have those people in place to carry out those operations for them. You know, a, a production team, just like the Clarksons of the world will have. They will have people to do that job. Why? Because their job is to be them. And so I'm trying to be me as best I can. So we talked about, okay, well, how will we cover this? And this uh, became, for me, a great sort of dovetail into the idea that we are not perfect and that we really need to talk about that and where that comes from. And so I'll return back to where we were in terms of the digital mechanics. So we have these filters Uh, We also get involved in uh, cosmetics, right? Cosmetic surgery because we want a bigger bum, because we're sold the idea that it's beautiful, you know, by the media telling us that Kardashian has one and and Beyonce, although one's real and the other one's not. You know, to have an implant to recreate that. Lip implants for beautification. Not for, okay, maybe you have a medical need which is psychological because originally when uh, women wanted breast implants, they had to go and see a psychologist. And the same is true for lots of uh, augmentations. It was. It's not now. You can just go, I'm not going to do that. You don't have to anyway, but you can just go to somewhere in the Philippines or wherever it is that people go to have augmentation just at the drop of a check and a bit of cash, right? So people are doing that for the reasons that they want to fit the image. 
They are altering bodies to suit the agenda and narrative of what is considered beautiful and the ideal look. You know, the symmetrical face, the perfect ten, the perfect height, hair colour, lips, you know, the models of the world, you know, the the, uh, the walking coat hangers of the world. And, and everyone that buys into the media, the magazines, uh, so on and so forth, is, is, up, is subconsciously buying into that narrative. And it doesn't just stop there, because an expression of uh, how much stature or beauty we have could come from the team that we support, the house that we own, the car we drive, the watch that we wear, uh, as I say, the clubs that we are members of, uh, and the logos that we wear, oh my goodness, the logos that we wear, you know, the sporting goods, the the trainers, the high-end fashion, the, the fashion houses, the designers, the exclusivity. I myself am subject to that. I like nice things, and I don't think that there should be a problem. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, we shouldn't own nice things. Even... Uh, well-engineered items that will cost money because it costs money to get people to carry out those jobs because it takes skills and I have no problem with people with skills and expressing that skill through their creative uh, avenue whether that be uh, architecture uh, mechanics in terms of building a watch or a, or a nice design computer um, and, and you know the list goes on so I don't have a problem with that. But what we are talking about is how we assign the, if you like, the consumer element of our life, or rather we're being sold through consumerism, this idea of perfection. We want, like, you know, there are men out there getting peck enlargements, uh, t- digit- digital teeth augmentation. Because that's, that's laser, right? That's a digital function. Um, and unnatural white veneers that you know that they're unnatural, but it doesn't matter because they look beautiful. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit uh, in our discussion group before we did this podcast about makeup. Well, where does that fit on the scale? Well, perhaps when you're a kid, your mum wears makeup. Maybe she gives it to you for your dollies to, you know, to dress them and so on and so forth. And so... But this is this is a way to play dress up and but there's two there's two types, isn't there? It's, it, do do you wear it to cover yourself up because you're ashamed of your, the look of your skin? Maybe you've got blemishes, spots, the occasional birthmark, watermark. Do you use it in that way where you are uh, forced to do it because you get a backlash? Like there was a girl in my school. She had a strawberry birthmark, covered half of her face. I never, I, I just saw her as her. I never questioned that it was there. I never treated her any differently. But she was an arsehole. <laughs> Sorry, it, but it's the true. And if you're listening, that's you. You were. You were nasty. And I know why, because I know the history now. So uh, I f- please forgive me for judging you. But at that time, to me personally, you are not a nice person. You never gone out your way to seek me to seek and uh, you know to to make amends. But that's all right because I forgive you and I love you. All right, I still love you. I love you. Why? 
because you're one of God's beautiful creatures on earth and that's good enough for me why am I talking about you though in particular well because you used to bully me and I, I that was the thing that fascinated me the most I was like hold on a second you're bullying me for the way I look and sound but yet you are carrying something that covers half of your face is bright red I just couldn't get my head around that. I, we we never we clearly never had a discussion about it. I don't think you were ready to go there personally. However, I digress. What I'm saying is, if you decided that you wanted to wear makeup to cover that up, that'd be your choice. But what would be your motivation? And I'm looking at it from the angle of the motivation would be that perhaps there's a fear that society doesn't accept you with that on your face well I do I always have but society is not promoting a strawberry birthmark at the front of their marketing campaigns their ad campaigns they've started to get a little bit more creative with the types of models that they're using but you have a look at these types of models. They might be using a bit more uh, of a, they might be drawing from the community in terms of people being um, a little bit more perhaps weighty than your average model, perhaps uh, not so tall, uh, clearly different colours. They may have even experimented with people that are physically challenged or I'm not sure if we should still be using the word uh, disabled or handicap, but I don't like the word handicap. I don't like the word disabled either. Perhaps just unique, you know. People, in terms of these companies that create these marketing and ad campaigns, are, apart from, the, you know, when Benetton did that multiracial commercial, which was really groundbreaking, I believe, at the time, there have been attempts and I'm not saying they haven't, to try to break down the walls. But it's too powerful, isn't it? It, it runs through everything. It, it's through most industries that are selling us something. They're all selling us something. And they use sex and they use this beautification. So what I'm saying is, is the pressure is on the individual. In this particular, the girl with a... a strawberry birthmark on her face the pressure is from society to conform to societal norms because all the other kids are not uh are not being shown that it's acceptable whoever you are and perhaps that's because they don't have a spiritual journey perhaps it's because they're not being educated at home correctly and perhaps they're just being assholes i don't know it's not really that important to drill down into the individual's choice apart from the fact that we need to have accountability when it becomes our when it arrives at our door who are we changing ourselves for why are we doing it and what are the causes and the causes are clearly the influences of what society is sending down to us through its uh, advertising so it's important to love us, right? To to be able to love others regardless of imperfections. And that uh, we're going to make mistakes. We are going to make mistakes. It's okay. I will make mistakes. I will probably make mistakes in my podcast up and coming. I will probably make mistakes when I'm public speaking. 
if I'm in a Q&A, I might get things wrong. But the main point is I'm having a go and it's important to remember that 100% we are unable to edit ourselves on the fly into a perfect existence. It takes practice, right? I know because I've spent all my life trying to be perfect. Why? Because I don't want you to judge me. I don't want you to pick on me for the way I look, for the way I sound, for my imperfections. Weird that, isn't it? That having imperfections is the very reason why you want me to be perfect. How about that for irony? It's impossible, isn't it? I cannot be possible whilst... uh, Sorry, I cannot be perfect while society and those that buy into the narrative have a viewpoint that I'm imperfect. So what's going on? Mass confusion. Hypocrisy, mass confusion. And when something becomes mass in terms of it becomes commonplace, one could argue that it becomes a religion. And in this scenario, this would be known as the religion of self and self-image. Now, agreed, it would be imposed upon us through the examples that we're shown, that we're supposed to aspire to, the images, the constant like me, the Facebook Insta generation, that you're all going around creating this perfect ideal world for everybody that they're supposed to look into and like you for. And oh my goodness, if you don't get a like for it, it's like, oh, it didn't work, scrap that one, let's go back to the drawing board, do that again. And it's this constant evolving into the idea of pleasing others, which we've all suffered from. Oh, oh, perhaps was one person that hasn't. We'll talk about him later. So... It's it's an impossible task to get the magazine version of perfection. So it's a version of reality that isn't reality. It's lies, basically. It's telling you this is how you're supposed to look and it's creating a disconnect from your society because it's saying you're different. Okay, the creatives and the, uh, the creative... Uh, the marketing managers, the creative directors of the world may say, no, 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 you, you're not looking at it the right way. you just got to look in towards it as, a, as from a voyeuristic perspective that we're just showing you some beautiful imagery and, and it's drawing you into buying up uh, the, the products that we represent. Actually, you're looking at it the wrong way and you're taking it too personally. Uh, well, yeah, you could say that. However, when you have a media campaign that maybe digs someone out like who was the that massive singer from hackney acne girl big shout out right sorry i forgot your name but you know they went to work on you because you was overweight and stuff like that you were beautiful you've always been beautiful you've got an amazing voice massive love you to love you to life seriously so they go after people, the media, and they and they tell you it's not acceptable for you to be other than the narrative and the agenda and the picture that they paint. 
So the system is selling physical perfection as a way to keep us from, well, from ourselves really. And it, we have an enormous being which is far greater than the sum of our physical parts. Take me for instance. I weigh average fighting weight or loving weight as I probably prefer to call it. Average loving weight is about 84, 85 kilos. I'm six foot three, touching six foot three. And all my life people said, oh, you're, you're handsome. You're a handsome boy. You're a handsome man. And how can you not see that? And I've always, I've rejected it. I have. Why? Because I spent a childhood probably, uh, well, I did spend a childhood, but probably it was to do with my childhood. I was bullied for how I look, bullied for how I sound, and I and I did, and I had um, some areas of my life that needed to be focused on for me to get back to a sense of being our an operating sense, um, and I'll I'll talk about that another time because I don't want to give too much away at the moment. I'm really trying to stick to the subject. I'm sorry about that, but we will get back to that in the future in the future podcast. I promise you. So. The sum of our physical parts, I'm 85 kilos at my loving weight. And if you think about this, right, that the system, what is selling us all this stuff and everything, wants to keep us rooted in that concept, right? Everything that we need is about providing this body with what it is they want to sell us. A car to drive around in, products to put on our face, food to put in our stomach, uh, clothes to put on our back, relationships that we should be in, uh, products in terms of jewellery to wear, and uh, you get it. And so there are some other holistic uh, sales uh, campaigns going on, like, you know, you need to do yoga. Of course, you still need your body to do that. Uh, go on a retreat, become a Buddhist, search for enlightenment. Well, it's still a physical act, isn't it? Meditation, transcendentalism, egolessness, and detachment. You need to use your body, your mind, your spirit to do that. But if you want to go off and do that, that's a luxury item, isn't it? You can't just put down your job. And, well, you could if you saved enough or you've been fortunate enough to be born into a string of cash or a wealthy enough uh, connected family and friends that enable you to be self-sufficient and to afford you that. But I know people very close to me who have degrees and they've worked all their life serving the community and they don't have to spare cash to just get up and go and take six weeks off and go on a search of enlightenment no because there'll be bills to pay the bills still come in right even when you go away i don't want to see a future like that personally that's another story again something we'll go on uh, to cover in the future so you get what i'm saying most of what happens in terms of what they're selling us, drinks, uh, alcohol, you know, what comes down the TV channels and through the magazines is a lifestyle. They're selling us a lifestyle. It's to do with our body. We have to make ourselves look good to fit into it, fit into the swimming costume, fit, on, fit onto the beach, fit into the mountain top setting, fit into the ski wear, uh, have the perfect skiing, ski out chalet. You know, we need to fit the model that they're sending us, right? And it's a physical model. But I'm here to question what that is actually doing in terms of the effect it's having on our spiritual walk. So 
we are objects in their eyes, right? That's it. They just see us as they need to sell stuff to us. And the more they can sell, the more wealth that they generate. But what is the legacy? What is the legacy that we leave behind? Because I can exist in several different places, many, many, many different places at the same time. I can essentially time travel and I can be in two places at once. In fact, right now I'm sitting where I am and I am in somebody else's thoughts a family member, a friend, uh, perhaps I'm even being talked about in a, in, a, in a story that I was involved in or an event or that is, it's quite possible that's happening. For certain, I am sitting on someone's mantelpiece in a frame, a photo of me and and there'll be something that I've created that somebody may or may not be reading or thinking about reading or listening to right now, musically wise, uh, writing wise, etc etc so I and and it goes on even when I depart this planet I will still live on now uh, even if there's not a tombstone of me and a, uh, a a beautiful plaque somewhere I will still be in the memory of those that I um I'm going to meet later uh, you know who who are still here when I leave this planet I'm still going to live on my spirit transcends my physical body it lives everywhere all at once, but not everywhere all at once, but potentially it can. If if everyone in the world decided right now to think about me and had a synopsis of my existence and were trained up to what that was and all thought about me at the same time, essentially I live everywhere at the same time, right? Because I'm in everybody's mind and thoughts at that particular moment in time. So why am I talking about this? Because there is a spiritual connection that is available to us all and it means that we don't need to look the perfect way we are flawed and this brings me to my favorite subject which has become Jesus where does Jesus fit into this well he said he loves us regardless he came to redeem us he said, it doesn't matter what you've done. I'm still going to love you. It doesn't matter how you look, what you've done, what you even continue to do after I save you. Why? Because my father, aka God, he knows that you're flawed. He made you that way. Why did he make you that way? Because he gave you choice. He, even in the Garden of Eden, it would have, if you'd have just had everything all the time switched on would you have appreciated it as much mm, you can have that debate perhaps god thought and i'm not god trust me i'm not well who knows actually i better just admit that because none of us know it could be any one of us but that's sacrilegious you can't talk like that but would you rather have a conversation about that than a conversation about how big kardashian's ass is this week well, I know which one I'd rather talk about. So, he redeemed us. He redeems even what I just said, because he knows I'm a sinner. Why? Because he gave me choice. In the Garden of Eden, he gave Adam choice. He, and Adam, uh, Eve was born of man, so just let's just call it man, okay, for all you uh, people out there that want genders uh, messed with. Adam and woman, Eve. Eve 
He said, you don't eat anything uh, from that tree. Have anything you want in the garden. It's all sweet, unky-dory. God turns up one morning and Adam's hiding behind a tree with a fig leaf over his private parts. God says to him, what are you doing? Why are you hiding? He says, I don't want you to see me. God knew. God knew he took a bite from the tree. Why? Because it was the garden of good and evil. And the evil, the temptation, the forbidden fruit was all about everything to do with being self, self-conscious, playing God, individuals acting as God collectively getting together to make themselves better feel better about their sin and living a sinful life and not being held accountable for it meanwhile the garden of eden's still running right but you got banished from there why because he disobeyed god you could say oh well god's not very loving if you just disobey him he boots you out of eden he gave you choice you made the choice he didn't make the choice so why are you holding him accountable for your choice? This is the whole point. Let go and let God. Don't stop trying to be God. This is the problem with the world. The world wants us to be a self. They want us to be selfish, right? Not selfish in a sense where I am destined to make myself a better person because I want to fit better into my community and be of service to my community community instead of a burden we're not talking about that type of selfish we're talking about conceited don't give a toss about other people selfish right and the system we've all talked well talked about earlier is selling you a selfish model they want you to be uh, you know a uh, an island of one because it's easier to sell to you like that they need to isolate you and then sell you stuff and control you and we haven't even gone into the whole slavery enslavement aspect of this whole process so what else did jesus tell us well he told us our ego has been cultivated by the broken world that it will be that we will be judged on that he said uh he, he asked us you know, he didn't tell us. He asked us. He said, which harvest do you want to reap? You decide. You know, you reap what you sow. And he talked about that, uh, the Beatitudes. Right is wrong. This is what society is teaching you now. It's telling you good is evil. It's, it's selling you blood, murder, guns, hate, wars. And people who are meant to be in positions of power looking out for us are making decisions to take people to wars for what? For their ego. For their ego. Whether it's an individual or a collective. People lying. Blatantly lying. Behaving like the devil. Tony Blair is a shining example. Who on earth can defend people like that clearly the lunatics are running the asylum but here's the thing jesus still loves tony blair that's what's crazy isn't it who can muster up that type of love i will go to far so far to say as i love tony blair but i hate his disease he has a disease of satanism and i pray that he gets delivered from that and I hope you would agree with me because Matthew eighteen nineteen says when any two come together in prayer, 
then the presence of God is here. God is here. So they're selling evil is good, and you know you can you can be killed for being good. They killed Jesus. What did Jesus do to ever hurt anybody? Nothing. All he did was want to love people, forgive you, and give you a way out of this terrible, impending doom called hell on earth. And yeah, lots of uh, lots of people, you know, walk around the earth and they're entitled. I see them all the time. They, they expect that they should be put first, first in the queue, first for the handout, first for the first for the first for this, all like, and it's an expectation now. And I see it. And, you know, apologies for picking on your younger generation, but the, the generation in the universities and leaving schools now predominantly have this massive sense of entitlement, and it's because they're lost, right? This is my opinion, and I am going to have it, okay? Now, I still love you, I love you all, but you've been led astray. You've been sold a dodgy version of reality, I urge you to come on the journey and find out why, how, and what you can do about it to set yourself free. Clearly, you are, uh, for those of you that aren't using Jesus as a way to try to cut through the madness, you're clearly lost. You're the lost sheep, but it's all right, because we're here, Jesus loves you, I love you, and we're going to save you, and you just need to come this way. Invite Jesus into your heart and you'll get saved. Now, the mass media are not helping you out, younger generation. They're telling you that you're uh, responsible uh, by way of reparations for past atrocities that have been carried out on people. Uh, they're, they're attaching it to colour, uh, creed, sexuality, etc., etc. Uh, you've got uh, organised bodies and big corporations and uh, sporting bodies like the FA and so on and so forth supporting uh, political parties like the BLM which is openly stated that it's a Marxist organisation with political intentions designed by um, some people with a, a certain sexual preference that were just out to try to um, eradicate uh, the male energy of existence because they're just bitter and twisted about the very fact that they believe men have an upper hand. I'm not saying they haven't historically. They probably have. And and I'm sure the halls of the old boy network are full of men who are running the show. But behind all those men are women. And trust me, women are powerful. I know I grew up in a house full of them. And I love them all. Powerful. But, you know, the problem is that you are being urged to follow the herd. You know, you, it's a herd mentality. Why? Because just like with this whole... Uh, societal uh, marketing campaign designed to shut you down, isolate you and sell you stuff. It's also selling you this concept of what I talked about in my Ethics and Integrity podcast, which is communism under the guise of capitalism. And so you can't say no to that because you'll be rejected by your fellow uh, perfection seekers. And, uh, and that is too powerful, more powerful than sitting with yourself and having a look at that and i'm just going to try and dig up a quote that i uh said this morning um 
the one of my support group. It was something about, oh, this was it. Yeah, regards the facts, but the facts are open to contentiousness and that's the fallibility of human that we are hiding from. Perhaps this is why governments never apologise for their mistakes, right? So you've got this Matt Hancock business that's gone on where his indiscretion has led to a resignation, but it wasn't really a resignation. It was him going, yeah, I'm I'm done with this. I'm going to the back bench, but trust me, I'm still going to be ringing the ears and doing the Joey work of uh, a so-called government representing the people. Well, that's not happening. And, and But he hasn't apologised for the tyrannical behaviour of him on the British public. He certainly hasn't apologised for lies and deceit about timelines of so-called pandemics. And he certainly hasn't uh, adhered to the restrictions which he himself placed on a, an entire nation through lockdowns and uh, social distancing, etc. And when he goes up to resign his position, he makes it seem like he's doing you a favour. Oh yeah, I realised that I didn't follow the same measures that I did. You know, he basically minimises what he's done into an ask rope, right? But the truth is, the 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 upper echelons who put him in place to do that dirty work, and because he's so dumb and so naive, and and he just wants you to like him. I want you, please like me. What do I need to do, sir? Spank me, you know, old boy network kind of stuff going on, public schoolboy stuff. He just wants to please, and he's happy to be a yes man and do whatever it takes. Why? Because it gives him some element, some semblance of power. And and that's why he's a stooge. He's just a little pigeon in place to do the dirty work of those satanics up up the higher up the chain, right? So they've got someone else waiting to do the job anyway. It's probably the reason they set the whole thing up in the first place to get him out. But he never apologised. He he never apologised. It's actually sickening to watch his little pathetic apology to what not to me not to my family not to the british public not to the world because let's not forget his actions and the actions of a british prime minister are ricocheted around the world and i say that not rippled ricocheted around the world because it's like a bullet going off when they speak it's like they're sending missiles across oceans and into other cities and is corrupting other prime ministers other state leaders etc but all that business has been long since done before these little stool pigeons stand up and carry out their little act so people don't accept them and it's a growing situation of belief is that the average person does not trust them why because they fail they lie they tell lies they 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 roll out deceit uh and and then the media the mass media um and all the bodies they they back it up don't they 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 tell you no that no the government is telling the truth even though the hypocrisy is mad like you can't sit next to someone uh inside a restaurant but you can sit next to them outside uh you know you, this is a disease that they told us that you could be standing up in a bus stop and fall over uh, and you're gone and, you know, they, they portray this image, just like they do about body image and physical image. They portray it about your safety. Oh, we're doing this for your safety. Oh, you know, you've come out to to say the facts don't ring true. We want you to be accountable. So we're going to beat you over the head with batons because 
we're looking after your safety. You know, the hypocrisy of it, right? So they sell you, and people that are asleep who go along with it, apparently are saying, oh, no, the government is just doing what's right. If you're not going to adhere to the government's rules and regulations and laws and uh, draconian measures, then it's your own fault. You really, you need to check yourself. Who are they, you know? Those are the very same people that buy into image consciousness. And those that don't, at some point, have in some way whether it be through education, through uh, political status, through uh, through owning a home, for instance, through having savings in the bank, marrying the right partner, etc., etc. There's loads of different. I could go on ad finitum. As again, I said, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to be able to cover everything in one podcast. So people don't accept... Let's just check on the time here. Okay, we're getting close to the mark. So people don't... They, you know, they're fed up with that identity pushed on them and they are apathetic to change. These are the people that are woken up to the lies and the deceit because they're told they are accountable for history's failings but that they can't rationalise that. And, and I guess we're still on the subject of the youth, you know, that are coming through the uh, departmental elements of uh, civilization, Western civilization, the agenda, the narrative, the world system. The educative system says you go to uni, okay, you want to study X, Y, Z. Well, to do that, you need to carry out an exam. And if you don't write what we tell you to write, then you fail. So they condition people to continue the narrative, to write what they want. So verbatim, to repeat what they want you to repeat. You know, they only allow certain... Uh, text into the syllabus for instance that they've chosen that enforces you to take a party line their party line and it's indoctrination really and and unless we uh, as a collective wake up to this idea and start to look at alternative ways to go forward and provide a solution to this world of remember the subject the demand of perfection then we're probably always going to think that we're in search of it and as i was saying about jesus jesus told us what was going to happen jesus told tells us in the bible in fact the bible tells us it's proven and there's information in there that i urge everyone to go and look at but of course this isn't just aimed at at christians this uh, podcast series this is aimed at everybody why because you are all whether you want to admit it or not, you are all involved in some form of religion or spiritual quest, whether it's to look better, to have a bigger bum, bigger boobs, or a nicer car or a nicer watch. You all want something better. We're all looking for something better. If you're like me, you just want to be surrounded by people that try to live by the ethics and integrity of the Bible, then you're still no different. We're all in search of some higher plane of existence. Well, the way the system is working, it's, sell, it's not selling you that. So if you do want a more guaranteed long-term version, well, why not take the only option available just in case you miss out? And if you do, that's Jesus. Now, I've got to cut this short and go, but it's been lovely being here talking again, and I look forward to the next round of me being imperfect, imperfection. Imperfect? Imperfect. There you go, perfect. I'm perfectly imperfect. And what was that quote that I wanted to show you? Honesty is a painful sin to those without accountability. Mm. 
And on that note, God bless. Digital Jesus. Digital Jesus. Digital Jesus. Digital Jesus.